Doctor New, poetry. Doctor New, poetry corner. So today I am reading some of my own work, and it is from uh, the nineties uh, when I was uh, in the late nineties. I was in university and writing a lot uh, as I was doing my. Uh, Bachelor's in Creative Writing and Theatre. And um, the next poem is about River Phoenix, who died um, in um, October 93. And he was um, uh, a musician and an actor, an activist, a uh, really interesting person. And I connected with a lot of his work, um, particularly... Um, uh, his uh, film work and uh, the film My Own Private Idaho and uh, it was the first time I'd really been impacted by a um, uh, famous death I guess and at the time and even today I often use poetry to kind of work out my feelings about um, uh, things that happened in my life so uh, this first piece is uh, for River Phoenix. For River Phoenix, James Dean of the 90s. He could have been a junkie or a reclusive schizophrenic. He could have had an overdose or someone could have spiked his drink. His hometown was in mourning the week after he died, a field day for the media, but his friends all took his side. He lived in a nest of vipers. Frustration ruled his life. Oppressions of a tiny town can only lead to strife. He was a messed-up movie star, a bit like Marilyn Monroe. He styled himself as a legend. But he was an average Joe. He'd been in a couple of ads for his were film star looks. But his style look came from TV and research done with books. He liked tragedy and sadness. Favourite painter, Vincent van Gogh. His emotions pushed him to the edge. His obsessions pushed him off. So with sadness he is gone, our nineties James Dean. We know now to beware, legends aren't what they seem. So this is a really a continuation of narrative poetry, <coughs> which started with The Highwayman. And narrative poetry is basically a type of poetry which looks at the pros and cons of life or the mm, uh, the good and the bad or um, action and reaction. And it, has a it usually has characters. Um, it's often written in a metered verse, but not always. Um, but uh, essentially narrative poems actually don't have to um, follow rhythmic patterns. Um, it can be short, it can be long. It's a really, really flexible type of poetry um, that tells a story. <clears throat> and I'm kind of obsessed with narrative poetry because um, I wrote a verse novel uh, about Boadicea called Rowan Willow Holly You. Uh, and um, I have also been um, a bit obsessed with uh, narrative po um, poets who also wrote 
verse novels like um, Dorothy Porter. So I'm going to um, read you a little bit of um, some famous um, narrative poets and um, see what you think about the style. I uh, would love you to respond with narrative poetry of your own. So please feel free. The first narrative poem I'm going to look at is uh, The Divine Comedy uh, by um, Dante. And this, of course, is a translation of his work. And uh, what we see, therefore, is, um, uh, again, like the haiku um, poets, a um, something which is not the uh, uh, poet's original work and is an interpretation of their work by translators. And uh, really what we see is um, uh, a poet's work with a layer of how that uh, work um, actually can find meaning um, in the English language. Inferno Canto, The Dark Wood and the Hill in the middle of the journey of our life, I came to myself in a dark wood where the direct way was lost. It is a hard thing to speak of how wild, harsh and impenetrable the wood was, so that thinking of it recreates the fear. It is scarcely less bitter than death. But in order to tell of the good that I found there, I must tell of the other things I saw there. I cannot rightly say how I entered it. I was so full of sleep, at that point where I abandoned the true way. But when I reached the foot of a hill, where the valley that had pierced my heart with fear came to an end, I looked up and saw its shoulders brightened with the rays of that sun that leads men rightly on every road. Then the fear that had settled in the lake of my heart through the night that I had spent so miserably became a little calmer. And as a man who, with panting breath, has escaped from the deep sea to the shore, turns back towards the perilous waters and stairs, so my mind, still fugitive, turned back to see that pass again that no living person ever left. After I had rested my tired body a while, I made my way again over empty ground, always bearing upwards to the right, and behold, almost at the start of the, slo the slope, a light swift leopard with spotted coat. It would not turn from before my face, and so obstructed my path that I often turned in order to return. The time was at the beginning of the morning, and the sun was mounting up with all those stars that were with him when divine love first moved all delightful things, so that the hour of the day and the sweet season gave me fair hopes of that creature with the bright pelt but not so fair that I could avoid fear at the sight of a lion that appeared, and seemed to come at me with raised head and rapid hunger, 
so that it seemed the air itself was afraid, and a she-wolf that looked full of craving in its leanness, and before now has made many men live in sadness. She brought me such heaviness of fear from the aspect of her face that I lost all hope of ascending. And as one who is eager for gain weeps and is afflicted in his thoughts, if the moment arrives when he loses, so that creature without rest made me like him, and coming at me little by little drove me back to where the sun is silent. So the next poet is Dorothy Porter. She's an Australian poet, uh, born in Sydney. And she was born in the mid-50s. Um, and she has written a number of uh, verse novels. And uh, the first one I actually came across was Atanaka, which was um, about a pharaoh, um, well, the first one, of the, uh, a really interesting pharaoh, a bit of a rebel. Uh, and the one that I'm going to read from today is uh, The Monkey's Mask. Uh, and... Um, the Monkey's Mask um, is broken up into several, several segments. I might come back to reading her um, uh, a number of times. And it is 264 pages long, but I'm not going to read the whole lot, of course. Um, and it's not just written in a way that um, is uh, interesting to... Um, read but it's interesting on the page as well so she uses a lot of the uh, techniques that I use around uh, moving words around in a page in order to um, uh, give them added meaning um, but unfortunately since this is not a visual medium uh, you will simply hear the words The Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter The New Job Poem Trouble Jill, I challenged the mirror, how much guts have you got? I like my courage, physical. I like my courage with a dash of danger. In between insurance jobs, I've been watching rock climbers like game little spiders on my local cliff. I've got no head for heights, but plenty of stomach for trouble. Trouble. Deep other folks trouble to spark my engine and pay my mortgage. And private trouble, oh pretty trouble, to tidal wave my bed. I'm waiting. I want you trouble on the rocks. I'm female. I'm not tough, droll or stoical. I droop after wine, sex or intense conversation. The streets coil around me. When they empty, I'm female, I get scared. Bloom Mountains Recluse I came for the quiet, I don't mind the cold, but thick mists, thick neighbourhoods and involuntary celibacy are as inducive to hard drinking as diesel fumes, high rent and corrupt cops. I don't like bushwalks or Devonshire teas, I can't remember what adrenaline tastes like. I need Sydney. I need a new job. My car. My place is my car. Peace, action, business and pleasure. 
the glove box crammed with tapes, Patsy Klein twining around me like a clove cigarette. My windows, my work, I spy with my little eye the cheating world. The new job. The phone's made up of foaming soap. I'm washing my hands. The phone's getting smaller and smaller, but keeps ringing. Ringing. It's the phone. Christ, what's the time? I wake up too fast. The sun sharp in the crack of the curtains. My feet freeze as I pad to the phone. A woman's voice, pure North Shore. Her phone runners taking forever. Yes, I'm Jill Fitzpatrick. Yes, I do missing persons. How nice a friend of your husband remembers me. From a little internal matter with his solicitor. Cleared up nicely. Client got his money back. Father of six. Grand Manson Poobah. I didn't go to jail. Yes, I remember the hush money bonus for a job discreetly done. And now the whole North Shore loves me. Sorry, Mrs Norris. You haven't seen your daughter for how long? So the next poem is by Lord Byron and it is Don Juan. And of course it is... Um, uh, like much of Byron's work, types, tries to turn accepted ideas on its head. It's one of the reasons why he was uh, so beloved uh, and has remained so beloved that he looks at things uh, from a completely different perspective from what society um, puts forward. And um, uh, Byron kind of I guess turns uh, the story of Don Juan on its head by um, making him someone easily seduced by w women uh, rather than someone who pursues women. And I am going to just read a little from the beginning of his work. Don Juan by Byron, Canto the First. I want a hero, an uncommon want, when every year and month sends forth a new one, till, after cloying the gazettes with cant, the age discovers he is not the true one. Of such as these I should not care to vaunt. I'll therefore take our ancient friend Don Juan. We all have seen him, in the pantomime, sent to the devil somewhat ere his time. And later in the ca uh, canto, In Seville he, was he born, a pleasant city, famous for oranges and women. He who has not seen it, it will be much to pity. So says the proverb, and I quite agree, of all the Spanish towns is none more pretty. It is, perhaps, but that you soon may see Don Juan's parents live beside the river, a noble stream called the Galdalf Quiver. And later in the canto on his mother... His mother was a learned lady, famed for every branch of every science known, in every Christian language ever named, with virtues equalled by her wit alone. She made the cleverest people quite ashamed. And even the good, with inward envy grown, finding themselves so very much exceeded, in their own way, by all the things that she did. And still later, Oh, she was perfect past all parallel, 
of any modern female saint's comparison. So far above the cunning powers of hell, her guardian angel had given up his garrison. Even her minutest motions went as well as those of the best timepiece made by Harrison. In virtues nothing earthly could surpass her, save thine incomparable oil, Mac'a'asa. Perfect she was, but as perfection is, insipid in this naughty world of ours, where our first parents never learned to kiss till they were exiled from their earlier bowers, where all was peace and innocence and bliss. I wonder how they got through the twelve hours. Don Juan, like a lineal son of Eve, went plucking various fruits without her leave. He was a mortal of the careless kind, with no great love for learning or the learned who chose to go wherever he had the mind, and never dreamt his lady was concerned. The world, as usual, wickedly inclined to see a kingdom or a house overturned. Whispered he had a mistress, some said too, but for domestic quarrels one will do. Now, Donna Innes had, with all her merit, a great opinion of her own good qualities. Neglect indeed requires a saint to bear it, and such, indeed, she was in her moralities. But then she had a devil of a spirit, and sometimes mixed up fancies with realities, and let a few opportunities escape of getting her liege lord into a scrape. And we're not even at the birth of Don Juan, so I'll leave it there. <laughs>